0: Um, as I was sitting here during worship, knowing what Mark's going to be preaching about. And, uh, and this morning as I was, I was reading through, I'm in Samuel right now, uh, reading through and, and I got to the familiar story of David's call and, uh, you know, and if you know anything about David's call, uh, even his family did not believe in him and he was off in a remote hidden place when Samuel said we'll wait for him. And uh, and I just I just know that the message this morning mm, come on. This is gonna be awesome. Mm. Um, I I just I just suspect that there's folks sitting out here that you feel like you're way out somewhere in the wilderness forgotten by God, which is probably how David felt. Even his family didn't really care for him. And, uh, and I believe that God's going to call you to something bigger today. Mm. Mm. So uh, yeah. I think he's just a buckle up uh, <laughs> because Mark's mm. going to get up here like this. <laughs> come on. Come on. Let me come come okay. up here and let me pray for you. I just, Mark, uh, I was going to say, Mark and I needle each other. I just needle him. Um, he's just not quick enough to needle back. <laughs> I've got to not be given a microphone, yeah, so oh yeah, all right, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Mark, and I know that uh his love for your word is um, unmatched and and I believe God you've given him a message and and that you've given us a message, and I just pray God that you will uh call us from. Out in the field um, and into your harvest today in Christ's
1: name Amen. amen. Wow, what an introduction. I think I am uh, unmuted, so it's up to you guys back there. if you want to hear me or not, unmute me back there. I'm Mark Batten, and uh, you know it's, it's awesome that I have to introduce myself to you all because every Sunday we have more and more people here at Hope Rock Church. God's on the move here, and it's amazing. I'm one of the elders here at Hope Rock Church. And uh, I've been asked to bring a message on one of our kingdom values. A kingdom value for Hope Rock is what we hold dear and true, what we will uh, willingly die for, for the sake of the kingdom. And it happens to be church planting. Now, what uh, Charlie just shared is it really strikes uh, me deeply because I was out of ministry for 10 years because of uh, as a, an act of faithfulness that I took I'll share a little bit about that later that didn't turn out so, the way that so I had and I just hoped see if, it, if we can fix it then okay. we can, then we won't be distracted it's, it's awesome having a personal uh, attendant taking care of all the details Ooh, that, As, may, that may have been it I hope so and that's since funny. you speak better than me maybe you can just take my message and bring it that's it's, funny <laughs> <laughs> you certainly sing better than me man We are blessed to have Jr. on our team. Let's give Jr. a hand here. And the whole team is amazing. Anyway, let let me just back up a little bit here. I'm going to preach on a kingdom value of ours, which is church planting. And now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, one of the reasons, is as we're growing, we're fielding more and more questions about what's the future of Hope Rock Church? We started across the parking lot with seating for about a hundred, and now we're pushing 200 and folks are wondering, when are we going to get that, that mega building? When are we going to have uh, you know a campus of 30 plus acres and, and all this? When can we expect bigger and better here at Hope Rock Church? And, and what I want to share with you this morning is uh, I don't think that that's what God's calling us to be as a church. We've had prophetic words prayed over us from people that are outside the region we've had people in our church here praying for us and and coming with a word i've been praying our eldership team has been praying and here's what we keep hearing from god this is going to be a very unique church so if you're looking for a cookie cutter church one like everybody else in the in the neighborhood i'm sorry we're going to disappoint you we're all about uh, doing what the lord wants us to do and we feel that god is going to before we grow bigger we might send out to reach the lost. Okay? So if you're looking for bigger, better, this may not be your place. Now, I might get in trouble for basically telling you to go look for another church, (laughs) but I'm trusting that when you hear what the Word of God has to say, that you will see it our way, which is God's way, which is the way the Lord is leading us as a church. So I was invited to dinner last night from uh, some members of our church here, Ryan and Lisa, and they asked the same question. What's the future of Hope Rock Church? So they got a little mini uh, preview of the message that I'm going to give you today. Uh, so I want to just uh, open up with prayer, and I want to dive into what I think God is telling us as a church and encouraging the church global to embrace. Are you with me? Father, I just need your, your Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak through me. Lord, I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to see what you're doing, what you have been doing, what you want to do through your, church, your local church here called Hope Rock Church. And I pray this for all the churches across America, across the world, that we would take a biblical view of what it means to advance the gospel instead of what the world tells us, to build bigger and better and bring on more and to be more polished and more professional. I pray, Lord, we would just lean on you, who can accomplish what we can't in the flesh. Lord, I pray this morning you would uh, just do your work in me and in all of us. And it's in your precious name I pray this. Amen. So Jesus said, I will build my church church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's Matthew 16, 18. How exactly is he going to do this? Though... It seems like an insurmountable task to go and do the work that the Lord has commissioned us to do. Scripture is going to show us we have the blueprint for doing exactly what God has called us to do, and that's to go and make disciples. This morning we're going to take a look at Scripture, in particular how Jesus patterned the answer to these questions. How do we do it, Lord? Where do we go? When do we go? And I hope that you'll see this morning that uh, Hope Rock's vision for kingdom advancement through the planting of New Testament churches in our region and beyond is biblical, and it's what Jesus has commanded us to do. So where does, where does the church or the term church come from? We, we hear that in America all the time, and we immediately think of a building, right? A place, a locale. The word church comes from the Latin word ecclesia, Ecclesia is a transliteration, fancy word for translation, of the term ecclesia. The word ecclesia is a verb, not a noun. It's a verb that means to call out, to bring out, and to assemble. That's what the church is. It's, it's a gathering of people who have been called out and gathered and assembled for a purpose. It's not a building. It's not a location. In America and beyond, we think a church is a building. I've got to go to a building to encounter God. I have to go to a building to be saved. I have to go to a building to experience freedom from addiction and from sin. This is not what the word church means historically. In the Greek culture, when the rulers of the land wanted to bring out a gathering of people to do something, they would go to the public square, bring out their megaphone, and summon the people, and they would gather. And throughout the Old Testament, we see the word ekklesia being used over and over again. Ekklesia, again, is where we get the word church. But you're going to see here, it historically has not meant what we see it today in the New Testament. Let's take a look at just a few passages that use the word ekklesia. In Deuteronomy, we see this. Assemble the people, ekklesia, before me so that I can tell them my commands. Then they will learn to revere me all the days of their lives in the land, and they will instruct their children. That's not a church. Judges, the leaders of all the people from all the tribes of Israel, took their places in the assembly, in the ecclesia of God's people, which numbered 400,000 sword-wielding foot soldiers. That's pretty cool, right? Psalm 22. I will declare your name to my countrymen in the middle of the assembly, Ekklesia, I will praise you. Now, in the New Testament, we see for the very first time the word ekklesia being translated into what we know as church. Take a look at this in Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, my ekklesia, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Make a couple of points really super clear here. This verse can be totally botched in terms of exegesis and interpreting and trying to figure out what this means. Jesus is the rock, not Peter. Jesus is the cornerstone. Without him, we don't we don't have a plumb line. We can't tell left from right, horizontal to vertical. Nothing built would be plumb in God's sight if it wasn't for the cornerstone, the rock of Jesus. I want to Church. Jesus is the builder of his church. The whole enterprise belongs to him. I will build my church. So, if there's any inclination that somehow the church existed before Jesus and he's just carrying on the old, let me tell you, he says right here, I will build my church. It's future tense. It has yet to be in in, in motion, it has yet to exist. And I'm getting excited. So, forgive me if I'm becoming that preacher that everybody, you know, makes fun of, you know, up your fire and brimstone from the pulpit. I just can't help myself when I get get excited. And I'm really excited about Jesus. And I hope you all are too. Nothing will stop him. The the gates of hell shall not prevail against me building my church, Jesus says. There is absolutely nothing that will stop him. I I will build implies its future tense is not yet here. And we're going to take a look at what it looked like when it finally showed up. So what exactly did Jesus mean by the term church? What he did not mean is a building or a local church like Hope Rock Church or a network of churches or a denomination. Jesus didn't come and promise to build denominations or churches like this. Though these are local expressions of the universal body of Christ. So we we can't discount that because all throughout the New Testament we see where churches were planted and apostolic leaders had oversight over these church plants and they instilled pastors and teachers and evangelists and and prophets. And we see that the local church has authority over the local body of believers to raise them up to do the, the work of the priesthood. So we know that churches are vital. But Jesus is speaking of something greater than the local church. It's just a local expression of something much grander than we typically comprehend. My church, according to Jesus, is the universal church. It's a spiritual church. It's a spiritual body. And how did he do this? Or how is he doing it? He's calling out, ecclesia, he's calling out from the darkness, the sinners of the world and placing them in the kingdom of light. This is the ecclesia, this calling out, this assembling, God's assembling a mighty army of people to complete the work that he started. And we don't do it alone. We do it in and through his power. The universal church or the corporate group of believers, and here's a few verses that support this idea. The one Christ promised to build, this is the church. This church is the one he died for. This church is the one he stands as head over. This is the church that the one who will glorify him to all generations, that's us. This church is the body of Christ. And this church includes all believers, past, present, and future, those alive and those dead, those in heaven now. It's a spiritual assembly of believers. That he calls his ecclesia, his church. It's a brand new way of looking at ecclesia, a calling out a gathering of people for a purpose that is eternal and rewarding. The church includes all persons who belong to. Now, this inclusiveness is depicted in Hebrews twelve twenty three, which says, "The church of the firstborn, whose names are written." also expressed in Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This also hints at a theological definition of the church as the whole body of Christ. It includes all the redeemed, sanctified, justified, whether in heaven or on earth. A little bit different picture of church, right, than we're used to? This is a local expression of the true church of Christ, which I just got done explaining to you all. Are you with me? This is a new thing. It's a new ecclesia. More than that, it is the body of Christ, an army, a flock, an organism of believers. It is also the local church, the company of people in which each member is in direct contact just listen to me, the local church is where we are in direct contact with each other, encouraging, loving, teaching, training up one another. The Bible says some have forsaken uh, meeting together and that's a bad thing. We are only as strong as we are together. We have to do this thing together. and We do this locally in the local church. Christ's people are united in him to each other. They are created in him to do a work that it was impossible before. This is the church that Christ is building. So the question you might be asking is, when and where did the church begin? So Mark, if you're telling me it didn't exist before Christ, when did it arrive on the scene? Take a look at this in Acts 1.8. The answer to the question, when did the church show up and where, is found in 1.8 of Acts. But you will receive power You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. On the day of Pentecost is when this power was received. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this, now when the day of together in one place suddenly a sound like a violent wind blowing blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting and tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them all of them were filled with the holy spirit this is when the church began when jesus left after his ascension his his crucifixion resurrection and ascension He promised the Holy Spirit, and that power of the Holy Spirit is what gives us the church's power. And that same morning of Pentecost, check this out. This is when the first church service happened. Acts 2, 38 through 41. Peter said to them, repent. And each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 people were added. That's the first church service. And that happened only because Jesus came, was crucified, risen on the third day, and ascended to heaven and sent the promised Holy Spirit, the power, the only power that we have to advance this gospel. Are you with me? So Jesus gave the Great Commission. Peter, because he was obedient to it, made 3,000 disciples after one preach. And if you don't know that preach is a, it's a noun, right, around here? It's not a, I, you know, I used to call them messages or sermons. Around here, they're called preaches. It's just one more thing you guys have kind of messed up, you know. But it, it's affecting me. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the same things I used to laugh at. Let me put this in my diary. I need to... (laughs) So what is the Great Commission? A refresher. Matthew 28 says this, Then Jesus came up and said to them, this is to the disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go! Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you circle your Bible, I'm not, I'm not, I can't mark up my Bible. It's pristine. I just have a hard time doing anything in these sacred pages. I can't mark them. But if you are a marker, mark away. Circle go. That's the key to this message is go. Yeah. Yeah. Go. This is the key. Jesus modeled the go for us and for Peter and the disciples. It's really, it's easy. I say it's easy. It's, it's difficult uh, to go. But we have the blueprint here, I believe, for planting churches, for planting campuses, for advancing the gospel. And let me just say advancing the gospel in the go sense, it, it, it applies to missionaries too, those who are setting up life groups and house churches and, and doing Bible studies, sharing the gospel in your neighborhood. That's all part of the go. I'm talking about something that overarches all that. It's the the authority that the local church has over all your ministry. We don't need Lone Rangers out there doing their own thing. Biblically, you come under the authority and the leadership of the local body, the local church, and the elders of the church. Jesus modeled the go for us. I want to just take us through a few ideas here that uh, I think will kind of get you excited about going. So first of all, Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he himself hasn't done already or is doing now. You're not out there to figure this out on your own. He's given us the tools to do this. This is just from a few chapters of the book of Matthew. Me Talking to Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of people. This is where it all begins. Follow Jesus and you will accomplish the unthinkable. Follow me, and I will richly reward you in heaven someday for your faithful acts of service. Follow me, and you'll experience purpose and, and in a sense of uh, uh, accomplishment. Uh, you'll be pleasing in the Father's eyes. Follow me, Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 4, 23, just a few verses later, Jesus went. This is another way of saying going. Jesus went through all of Galilee. Teaching in the synagogues. Remember, the synagogue at this point was not a church. This is a place of religiosity and works and Old Testament law. Jesus was bold enough to go in there and start to teach them the kingdom of God and what was about to happen through his resurrection and ascension. He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God, and he healed every kind of disease and sickness among the people. Matthew 5, when he saw the crowds, he went, and he began to teach them. Matthew 8, when he entered or went to Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Now, when Jesus entered or went to Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying down, sick with the fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her. Continuing, verse 8. Of chapter of Matthew chapter eight, when he came or went to the region of Gadarnes, 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 see Marco has a built-in you know excuse because he's like speaks I don't know, what do you call that like half South African half Italian half he everybody laughs when he messes up words because it's, it's expected right he's going to mess up the words, but but, but an American. You know, you're supposed to know all the words, right? I, this is not in my normal language, so I'm like, you know, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. In this region, <laughs> two demon-possessed men come, coming from the tombs met him, and he said to the demons, go. And they came out in Matthew chapter 9. After getting into a boat, he crossed or went to the other side, and some people brought him a paralytic lying on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Have courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. Then he said to the paralytic, Stand up, take your stretcher, and go home. Matthew 9, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax booth. Follow me, he said. So the tax collector got up and followed him. The last one, Matthew chapter 9. As Jesus went. As Jesus went. As he moved out from the center of Jerusalem and went out, he saw two blind men who were begging. They're following Jesus, shouting, Have mercy on us, son of David. Then he touched their eyes, saying, Let it be done for you according to your faith. And their eyes were opened. All these miracles, all these acts of power, All these healings, all these salvations came because the disciple, in this case, Jesus, the disciples are coming. Jesus went out. This is a gospel of go. It's not a gospel of sit and wait for people to come to us. Here's the main part of my preaching text. I want us to just begin to to focus on what it means to go. In light of the Great commission. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus again went through out all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. As I was looking through chapter nine, I, I crossed over into chapter 10 of Matthew. Uh, well, that's pretty amazing, huh? If you keep reading, you get to the next chapter. Jesus called out his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits so they could cast them out and heal every kind of disease and sickness. The very commissioning that Jesus gave the disciples in chapter 10, he was modeling for us up until this point in chapter 9. So again, Jesus does, and he teaches, and he's with us. He's our pattern, our model. We don't have to figure this out by a manual on how to plant churches or how to reach the lost. Follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. Continuing in chapter 9 of Matthew, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were bewildered and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. For me, I think this is the greatest catalyst for Fulfilling the great commission of going. Your heart has got to break for those who do not have what you have. Jesus had compassion. He wept. He was brokenhearted for what he saw. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Confused. Why is my life the way it is? Why do I see sin and death and... Pain and crime all around me. What is life all about? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? How do I make my life better? I wish I was never born. We could talk for hours on way people think and the desperation they experience and they feel. Jesus had compassion on them. Like a sheep without a shepherd. And aren't we all like that or were like that at one point? I love Isaiah 53.6. Gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. That was us before we found Jesus, or before he found us. And then Jesus wraps up this passage with, and he said to, the, to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If that doesn't get you up out of your seat and say, here I am, Lord, The harvest is plentiful what that means is there are more people to be reached than people willing to go out and reach them is that how you interpret that so what are we doing coming to church Sunday after Sunday wondering when are they going to change the coffee from what do we drink now black rifle to something better I don't know or the glazed donuts I want I'm, I'm a maple donut guy You put maple frosting with some nuts on top. Oh man, the the Fight Club guys on Wednesday morning. Though, I come in with donuts on Wednesday mornings, and when they open the box up, there's two donuts already missing before they get there. (laughs) It's the maple with the nuts. It's amazing. People are going to hell, folks. But we're coming here as consumers, wondering when things are going to meet our needs. Wow. When are things going to? When when you? when, When? When can I walk away from here feeling refreshed and and able to, you know, ready to tackle the week? Give me a little nugget of something I can hang on to. Maybe a bumper sticker or a refrigerator magnet of hope. You know, Jesus said, this is Jesus. And you know how he is going to reap the harvest? It's through us. He left us here to do his work, to finish his work. This is why Marco and Kat, For those of you who don't know who Marco and Kat are, they are our lead elders here. This is why they moved from South Africa to Texas, because their hearts were broken for the loss. They know that the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. This is why Ryan and Shannon left South Africa to come to America. This is why our NCMI friends and ministry partners, Mark and Marie Bailey, left South Africa and moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. This is why Craig and Taryn moved from South Africa to New York City. And the list goes on and on and on because these people, their hearts have been broken for the gospel, for the people that Jesus wants to reach through them. This is why my wife Patty and I, years ago, quit our jobs and moved across town to plant a church. Uh, We had four families come with us and one family is here today, Bill and Debbie, I appreciate you being here. They, they, They left with us to go plant a church our hearts were broken for the lost. I remember one morning, I'm, I'm getting ready for work, and, and I looked at my wife, and I said, we have no choice, do we? She goes, what are you talking about? I said, we have no choice. She goes, I, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're speaking of. I said, okay, we're going to go tell them. We went to our pastor the next uh, day and said, we really feel, as a couple, we're called to go reach the lost. We're ready to go, send us. And after a process of uh, praying and and being ordained and and, and coming under their leadership, they sent us out to plant a church. It was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. But I would do it all over again. I I recently came cross paths with somebody that used to go to our church. And I'm gonna, she was kind enough to share her, her story with us. And so I want play to play this for you. This, this, is, this is why I will go out again. Even if it means being broke and broken and hurting and stressed out and tired, I'll do it all over again for this young lady right here. Hi,
2: my name is Christina, and I'm here to tell you about how a small church plant radically changed my life. Uh, Up until I was the age of 15, almost 16 years old, I had lived a life of hardship. I had gone through multiple forms of poverty. I had lived in a home that was not physically safe. Um, I had gone through multiple forms of abuse. And because of this, and because of my own Nature, I had become incredibly hard hearted. I was selfish. I was a liar.
1: I wanted to protect myself.
2: Myself, and these actions led me to being more lonely, more afraid, and felt incredibly lo- unseen and unlovable. Uh, I was just depressed and it was a dark place for me. I felt completely hopeless. I didn't know what was in store for me in my life. I hadn't seen much good or love or joy in my life. Anyway, you fast forward to about 16 years old, and there was a flyer that a new church was coming into our neighborhood or to our area. This was incredibly important because I was so young. I couldn't travel far to go to different churches. This church plant, something about it called me. Obviously, it was the Lord. And we went to go visit this church. I went with a friend and we went to go visit this church. On paper, this church had nothing for me. It was full of young families, children, newborn to max 10 years old, and then 30-something age adults. And so the 16-year-old girl, it did not look like God would have anything for me there, but I was incredibly wrong. He had an awesome story for me. This body of believers, these people who stepped out in faith, literally brought me into their church family. And I felt for the first time seen and loved. The men of the church became fathers of the faith. They helped me with financial decisions, car decisions, uh, school decisions, because this time period was from high school into college when a lot of things were coming up. And they just encouraged me in that. The women brought me in, they showed me uh, Bible studies, verses, prayers, and encouraged me in my walk with the Lord and helped me to keep my head high walking in the Lord. The children even had a job. Those kids loved me like a big sister and they made me feel so incredibly seen and unconditionally loved. This church, by the grace of God, He used this church to give me a saving faith in Him. These believers who stepped out in faith and were administering to a hard hearted teenage girl, they helped the Lord pluck me out from a path of destruction and death and hopelessness, and then placed me into my Savior's hands, into the book of life. This has changed my life every single day since. My relationship with the Lord has altered the way that I do everything, the way that I live, the way that I work, the way that I parent, my friendships, my relationships. It has changed the way that I see the world and the way that I see his children. It has also changed me for eternity. The fact that I get to be with him forever and I never have to live in that hopeless place again is just mind-boggling. So just to share, your ministry really matters. Even if it seems small, it's really important and God can use you in ways that you can never imagine.
1: That's the distressed. That's the lost that Jesus came for. And he reached them through a church plant. She, she also texted me this week that uh, she came to our church and heard the gospel over the period of four months. Let me, let me rephrase that or repeat it. She heard the gospel. She didn't hear Self-help sermons. She didn't help. She didn't hear, you know, tomorrow's going to be your best day yet sermons. For four months, that's all I had to give was the gospel. That's all we all only have is the gospel, the good news. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. It was over four months that she heard the gospel, and over four months she wrestled with the fact that she wasn't feeling good enough, or she felt too much shame to accept Christ. Finally, at a Good Friday service, and I remember this now. I remember this Good Friday service now. It was, it was awesome. She came forward and she gave her life to Christ. She received the free gift of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And now her and her husband are in ministry. Kids are getting saved through, through their witness. So, I'm amazed I'm even up here because it was difficult. And like I said, I would go back and do it all over again. But what a privilege it is for God to redeem a difficult time for me and my family and my team to remind us of his faithfulness. As we sang this morning, Christina is a perfect example of God's faithfulness. I'm going to call the worship band up as we wrap this up. Now, the Lord of the harvest has passed on the work of the harvest to the local church. And the gospel is a gospel of go. It's not a gospel of come. It's not a gospel of if we build it, the world's going to come to our church. They might, but chances are the very people that need to be reached are not going to be reached until we plant roots in a community and love on them, be a witness to them, model them the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And they're going to ask you the question, why are you different? We have to be intentional. We have to be purposeful. Jesus says there's people out there going to hell. We have to reach them. Hope Rock Church is resolute on this. We are going to plant churches. If I have to go, don't tell my wife this. She might say otherwise. But I'll seriously consider being part of the team that helps set up a team to send out the Planet Church. I am getting old, so maybe I'm not the guy. But my heart is to reach the community through church plants and campuses. And, and I believe that in our church right now, God is stirring in your hearts right now. Somebody here, that you could be a part of a church plant. You could be a part of building the kingdom of God through going and not coming. I'm going to ask you this morning to... To pray into that. Pray into that for the weeks and months to come. Because if God's stirring that up in your heart, it could be in preparation for the call. You might be here this morning going, oh, geez, I have all the skill set to go plant a church. You know, I'm an executive. I have business experience. Let me tell you, that will not enable you to go and plant a New Testament Christ-honoring church. Your worldly experience is not going to pass the test of who's called and qualified. God calls sometimes those that seem unqualified, but he also uses what you're experiencing now, your experience now, and he'll redeem that and he'll make that even more powerful. Maybe it's in planting a church. Wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, I feel called, I don't feel called, I feel like I can do it, I don't feel like I can do it. This is something that God will speak to you about and empower you. To do if that's your call. But we're all, we all have a mission to play here, a part to play because the rest of this passage goes on to say in verse 38, because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest-ready fields. Nothing, nothing can be accomplished without prayer. We cannot plant a church without prayer. We cannot... Do the work of the Lord without prayer. Prayer is our first and primary response to planting churches. So this morning, there's no excuse. Our entire church here should be a praying church for the future church plants that will come out of Hope Rock Church. So as the the band leads us in worship, I'll be up here with Ryan and Charlie. If any of you want to commit to praying for a future church to come out of Hope Rock Church, If you want to pray for future harvesters, I invite you to come up front here in in an act of solidarity solidarity and and a a visible uh, expression to God and all the witnesses here that you will pray for the power and the wisdom and the resources needed to go out and reach the lost. If you feel like God's stirring something in your heart, like, I can do this. God's called me to be a, a church planter a leader in the movement of planting a church establishing a church body somewhere in this community that's underserved come up here we want to pray for you and if you have maybe no desire at all to plant a church you should have the desire to go and reach the lost to reach those that are without a shepherd distraught I invite you to join us too that we can pray for you that your heart might be Softened to the gospel and the need to reach those that are going to hell or living in hell today. So I'm going to hand it over to them. Please join me if you want to pray about a church plant. If you feel led to plant a church or be a part of that or if you just need prayer in general, please, we have room up here for you. Come join me. I'd like to pray for you.